So many of our uh, people uh, served in, in so many capacities, whether it's recreation or snack time or teaching time or it, it, I tell you, church family, I just got to tell you, I brag on you, I love you, I appreciate you. It took a small army uh, to be able to pull off our submerged 2016 VBS. Uh, nearly 800 people here every day, which as far as I can tell, that's the largest crowd we've had, at least since I've been here for six years. So thank you for making it happen. And we got some of the best boys and girls. Man. Some of the best boys and girls on the planet as I was watching them uh, do their, uh, their signs and their dances and all, and just looking at all the, uh, the different backgrounds and ethnicities of the, of the children just made, me, just made me so grateful for our multicultural, multi-ethnic church at Great Hills. We really are grateful to God that He leads so many uh, families from different places of the world. They come to Austin. They find a place that they can connect here with our church family, and so we, we're just thrilled for that. Uh, let me just say again, uh, there's a couple things coming up, big things. At the end of my message, I'm going to share just a brief message with you. Uh, we're going to announce the winners of the mission offering, okay? So somebody's going to get a pie in their face uh, at the end of this, and uh, Brother Terry, I think you and I get the privilege of doing that, and we're going to have a pie in the face right up here on the carpet. And I'm sure our people will appreciate that as they try to clean it up. But it's going to be, it's going to be fun. And, uh, but if you'll give me your, your attention, and just over the, maybe the next 10 minutes. Have you ever heard Pastor Danny preach a 10-minute sermon? Would you like for me to preach a 10-minute sermon? Yeah, yeah. 45 minutes? Okay, Mr. Gumpel, I, I can do that. No, we're going to uh, just share briefly with you. In your worship guide, there is a blank sheet of paper. I would encourage you to take it out, and uh, I'm going to take you through a presentation that the Lord gave me just a few weeks ago, and I've been looking forward to sharing this with our church family, and it is a message called The Five Crosses. And so if you have a pen or a pencil, mascara, whatever right work, you can use it. And uh, what I'd like for you to do is take it and jot down what you see, the symbols, the crosses, etc., and be able to take this home and, and look at it, and I pray that God speaks to your heart through it, and He will also encourage you and enable you to share this with, with other people. And so the five crosses. Have you ever noticed that we live in a world of symbols? And you think about it, we, much of our lives centers around uh, different, very obvious, conspicuous symbols. In fact, I'm going to do a little quiz with you today. I've got a number of symbols that I'm going to put up on the slides on the screen, and I want you to raise your hand if you recognize these symbols. And I'm going to call on somebody just to tell me what these symbols represent. For example, this is our first one. Anybody? At heart, and it represents hate and meanness and cruelty. Is that right? No. What does it represent? Love. Good. All right, next symbol. Let's look at this one. Oh, what is that? The moms and dads are going, now you're talking, brother. That's right, money. That's just an S with a line through it. That is a pretty, uh, at least in America, that is a very common, prominent symbol. It has to do with money. That's right. How about the next one? Ah. How many of y'all have an email? All right, good. So you got the little at Yahoo, at Gmail, at GHBC. That's a very common they even have those on your smartphones. They even have the little at uh, symbol there. All right, how about the next one? 
That's multiplication, right? Oh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That's addition, right? I'm sorry. I, I wasn't very good in math. I know that's subtraction. I know what that means. That's subtraction. What is it? Division. Yeah. Isn't it amazing? We, we see that a lot, especially in school and mathematics and so forth, and we even still use it uh, today. I was using it yesterday as I was dividing up the laps that I swam in a pool divided by certain number to get the actual amount of miles. Actually, 1.1 miles I swam yesterday using that little thing. That's why I'm tired. How about the next one? Huh. Some of you parents going, that's the pound or the uh, hash. No, it's a hashtag. That's right. That's a hashtag. Hashtag tic-tac-toe. That's good. Didn't think about that one. Hashtag submerge VBS, hashtag Radiant Church, hashtag, we use that a lot. Okay, before we put up the next ones, these are some of my favorite because I bet just through the power of symbol, you're going to be able to recognize the last three. Let's do the next one. Swoosh. Stan, how many have Nike shoes on? Anybody? Oh, a bunch of you do, Nike. Philip Knight was a, was a genius when he created Nike. By the word, the word Nike, by the way, it comes from the Greek word Nike or Nikos, which means to conquer or to be victorious. And so pretty much everybody, especially with Michael Jordan a few years ago signing on, I mean, it's prominent, the Nike symbol. How about the next one? Garden of Eden, right? Adam and Eve? No, no, no. <laughs> what, what, what company does that stand for? Yeah, Macintosh, the computers. It's amazing. I can put that one picture on the screen and just about everybody, whether you have a Dell or another uh, computer, you, you still recognize that Apple, that Apple with a bite out of it. You know that Steve Jobs created that company, Apple. I think we have one more. Yeah. Olympics coming up in August. You got the Summer Olympics. You got the uh, multicolored rings representing the multitude of nations interlocking in unity of competition. And so we recognize that. But then there's this one symbol that I think it's more prominent than all the other symbols combined, and it's this one. Ah, cross. Now, for the next few minutes, I want to share with you why. That cross is so prominent, so significant, and why not just in America now, but in Africa and Europe and South America and Asia, all over the world, that symbol is readily recognized. Let me give you just a little bit of history as to what this means. 2,000 years ago, there was a culture, a group of civilization called the Romans, and the Romans used a cross for capital punishment. In other words, they took criminals. And they executed them on those devices called crosses. Uh, today, states that still do capital punishment, they would use like a needle for lethal injection or electric chair. I know that's kind of graphic, kind of vivid, but that's what that cross in its origin, that's what it represented 2,000 years ago. It was, it was death. It was a death sentence. When you had that vertical beam intersected with a horizontal beam, it represented capital punishment. But None of us would know this. Very few of us would recognize it had not one person in particular 
died on that cross, and he made it famous. Anybody know his name? What, what, what was his name again? That's right. And that's why people all over the globe, all over the planet, they recognize that. And here's the reason why. Because John chapter 3 says this, For God so loved the world that He gave. And when the Bible says that the Father gave His Son, He gave His Son as a sacrifice, as a substitute for our sins to die on the cross to pay our penalty so that we could live forever. Let me, let me say the rest of the verse. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believes on Him would not perish, but have what? Everlasting life. Let me, let me read verse 17 to you. The Bible says, For God, He did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but He sent His Son into the world so that the world through Him might be saved. And so when you look at the cross, you think of God's love, you think of His Son dying for us, you think of His resurrection, you think of all of those things, and it's encapsulated in that one device of a vertical beam intersected with a horizontal beam. Let me go to the next slide and share a little bit more about what this vertical beam represents. And really it is simple, I mean, it's just two beams, it's just two lines like this. And that first one is called the vertical. And the vertical has to do with the up and the down. And what that represents in the cross, watch this, boys and girls. You watching Brother Danny? See this? It represents God in heaven reaching down to us here on this earth. And the way God reaches down and touches us and comes to us is He gave His Son, Jesus. He was born of the Virgin Mary on what day do we celebrate? Christmas Day, exactly. And then we celebrate Good Friday, the day that He died, and then we celebrate Easter all over the world. We, billions of people, celebrate Easter the day that He arose from the dead. You know, all the major religions in the world, without exception, whether it's a sect, a cult, a religion, religious group, they all have this in common except one. It is man's attempt to reach up to God and to please God and to somehow get His favor, somehow let Him smile upon us, somehow just maybe, maybe, maybe we can be good enough and we can go to heaven. That characterizes all the religions of mankind. I mean, I could name Buddhism, Islam, Confucianism, I could name Mormonism, Jehovah Witness, I could name all of those religions because I've studied them and I know them very, very well. And they all have this one common denominator and you talk to them, they'll say, I'm trying. I just want to do my best, and I want to please Joseph Smith. I want Muhammad to be happy with me because God's got this big scale, and, and if my good deeds outweigh my bad deeds, woohoo, I get to get in heaven. And they're wrong. It's not how it works. Because if that was true, then Jesus should have never come and died on a cross. But you see, we can't reach God. We, it's impossible. The Bible says we're sinners, we're, we're frail, we're we're in need. There's nothing we can do. There's no money we can give in church, not church attendance, not me up here preaching. None of this can earn God's favor. The only thing that earns God's favor, that pleases God, is when He gives us His Son and you and I go, amen, thank you, Jesus, I believe in you, and that's how we're saved. You say, wow, that is different. Wow, that means that Jesus did it all, and all I have to do is trust in Him and believe in Him, and that's right. The verse I want to share with you is Romans 5, 8. It says, God demonstrated His love toward us in that while we were sinners, Jesus Christ came and died for us. Isn't that good news? 
And what I'm sharing with you today, I'm encapsulated. I am giving you just a brief description of what Christianity is all about. And the way God reaches down to us to save us from our sins is He gives us His Son. The very person that these precious children were up here singing about brought tears to my eyes as I listened to the words and how they interface with what we're talking about now. Okay, let's go to the next one. How about this one? This is the horizontal line, the horizontal beam. And to me, this is, this is really cool. This represents our relationship with one another. The vertical represents God coming down to us, our relationship with Him through Jesus. The horizontal represents our relationships with one another. Now, I'm not going to tell you any big secret. You all know this. We live in a very fractured world. We live in a world that's hurting. We live in a political world in America where we've got good people, Christian people, mad at one another, fussing at one another, screaming at one another. And we've got people over in Great Britain, oh my word, they're so mad about this Brexit. Half the country's thrilled, the other half is just irate and angry, and, and you see protest, and you see violence, and you see, and you're like, wow, is that what God intended? It's not. See, God intended for us to get along with one another. In fact, Jesus said, I'm going to tell you how to get along with one another. It's Matthew 22, 37, 39. This is what Jesus said. He said, the greatest commandment is to love God with all your heart, soul, your mind, and your strength, and watch this, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Isn't that genius? Isn't that amazing? And Jesus said, here, I'm going to give you the recipe for peace and unity and joy in all the world. If you will love each other just like you want to be loved and to treat your neighbor as yourself. And I'm telling you guys, the only religion that offers this is this one. Because our religion is predicated on sacrifice. It's predicated on someone putting our needs before His needs. And all of this is wrapped up in that beautiful cross, in that horizontal. Oh, let me go to the next one. I'm almost done. Ha, ha, ha. Who is that person? I wish I could put a little happy face on there, because that person should be happy. This is how the cross intersected with me. Can I tell you how that happened? Let me tell you how it happened. And by the way, Hannah, thank you, my sweet daughter. Hannah is getting married on Saturday to handsome brother Jeffrey, who's here in the house. And um, I'm excited about that, mostly. I'm excited about her getting married. No, I'm excited all the way around. But Hannah has a degree in graphic arts, and uh, she helped me create this. In fact, she did the whole thing. I didn't do anything. I just sat down with her. That represents your pastor. That represents me. I hope you're writing this out, remember? All those symbols, cross number one, John 3, 16, cross number two, you got the vertical, cross number three, the horizontal, cross number four is you and me, and you draw a little stick figure. And this is how Jesus changed my life. Luke, Luke chapter 23 tells a story of a man who had committed some crimes, and um, he was dying on a cross. He was a thief next to Jesus. And in the last moment of his life, that thief turned to Jesus and he said, would you have mercy on me and forgive me? And Jesus said, I will. In fact, today you will be with me in paradise. And this is known as the thief on the cross. This is his story of how Jesus Christ changed him and saved him. And here's my story. I was, I was raised in the great state of Alabama, sweet home Alabama. And I'm proud of my state. I, I love my state. In fact, there's a bunch of people here today from the great state of Alabama. And my folks were um, common middle-class folks, worked hard, raised their children, four boys. I was the second of four sons. 
I got the middle child complex and all of that, and hey, I'm the tallest one of my boys, of the boys. I'm serious. We are some short folks in my family. My dad was this tall, my mom was this tall, and it's how I came out, just this, this. One of my sweet brothers loved him dearly. He died in a car wreck just a few years ago. In fact, right when I became the pastor here, my 38-year-old brother was killed in a car wreck. But we were close as a family. My mom took us to church. My dad drank, drank very, very heavily. Um, he was what you would call an alcoholic. And it just consumed him. It, it dominated his life, and it, it estranged us from him. It separated us from him. In fact, after 13 years of marriage, my mom left my dad, and they were divorced. And I remember as a little seven-year-old boy, I didn't understand what all was going on. My mom was moving north. My dad was staying in the south, and I was confused. I ended up moving with my mom and see my dad every now and then. And I always had this, this hurt in my heart because my family had been broken. If I were to ask you to raise your hand, probably a lot of us in here would raise our hand and say, I know about that. My family was like that. And so what I'm about to say next, I'm not very proud of, I was a wild little boy. I was in trouble, stealing things, just running hard, chewing my tobacco and riding my horse, and, and just, God was just way off in the distance somewhere. But in high school, things began to change in my life. People began to talk to me about the Lord. I became very interested in the Lord. And then when I was in college, I had somebody face-to-face -face say, do you know Jesus as your Savior? And I said, yeah, I'm good. I was baptized. I joined the church. I may even preach for Him one day, and so I think I'm good. And they're like, well, if that's the case, then how do you explain the cross of Jesus? And I was like, let me think about that one. I don't have an answer for that. So I remember January 3rd, 1984, I was on my knees in my bedroom, and I said, God, I am really confused. I'm trying to be good. I'm trying to earn your favor. I'm trying to do enough good so you'll let me in your heaven. But people are telling me that the only way I can get in is through Jesus' death on the cross. And I said, makes sense to me. I give you my life. And that night, Jesus Christ, by His Holy Spirit, came into my heart. First thing I wanted to do was go hug my brothers, and I just hugged them, loved on them, and uh, we just celebrated, and I shared with people how I had given my life to Christ. Romans 10, 9 says, if you confess with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, you believe in your heart, God raised Him from the dead, you'll be saved. And so that leads me to um, what I like to share about my testimony is, this was a little bit of my life before I met Christ, how I came to know Christ. And now what Jesus is doing in my life today, it's absolutely phenomenal. Look, look, how, look how blessed I am. I got a wife that loves me. We've been married for 30 years. I got three kids that love one another, love our family. My daughter's about to get married to a pastor. I pastor uh, this great church here in Austin, Texas. I live in one of the greatest states, the greatest city. I mean, my life is just enormously blessed. And you say, why are you so blessed? It's because God has been so very good to me. So let me give you the fifth cross, and we'll wrap it up this way. Do you see it yet? What is that beside the cross there? Ah, it's another symbol. We are a nation, a world of symbols. My question is this, have you ever done that? Has there ever been a time in your life when you, like I did when I was 19, say, Jesus, just can't do this on my own. I'm a sinner. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. I turn away from my sin and my way of doing things, and by faith, 
I just embrace you to be my Savior and my Lord. Have, has everybody done that? Well, if you haven't, I got great news for you. You can do that today. Uh, the Bible says, and I quoted Romans 10, 9, confess with your mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. You know what that means? That means that Jesus now is going to be the boss of your life. You're turning away from sin, you're repenting, and you're embracing Jesus as the boss. And that verse also says, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord, and you believe in your heart that God the Father raised Him from the dead after He died on that cross for you and for me, the Bible says we'll be saved. And then the last verse is this, verse 13 says, oh, it's one of my favorite. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Uh, parents and grandparents, let me address you for just a moment. What, what we did this past week is the most expensive thing we do all year. It costs a lot of money. It's like thousands and thousands of dollars. But we don't charge you anything. We don't charge your children anything. It is our gift to you and our community. It is our gift to your children. And we count it a great honor and privilege. That's why when Brother John stood up a moment ago and said, okay, folks, it's time to take the offering, we take monies like that and we pull off something like this. I don't know, 15, 20 grand, something like that, just to do VBS. It takes a lot of money. You say, well, why are you sharing that with me? And here's why. It's for this moment. All of it builds to this moment where I get to stand up and say, thank you for coming. Is there anybody here who would like to give your life to Christ? That's what it's all about. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to close your eyes and bow your head. And I want to ask you a couple of questions. I'm going to pray with you. And then it's going to get a little crazy, okay? There's going to be pies flying. There's going to be food consumed. There's going to be games going on. But I don't want us to miss, I don't want us to miss the real reason why we're here. And that is, hey, having fun is great, and I love to have a good time. Singing songs is fun, and I love watching our kids do what they did, but really moms and dads and grandparents and boys and girls, this, this moment, this very moment is when you step out from your sin and you invite Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. If you're here today and you'd say, Pastor Danny, I want to do that. My story's a lot like your story. I was raised in a broken home, an abusive dad, a very difficult family, and yet people Man, it's a miracle that I'm even here today. People invested in me. People have gotten me to this very point in my life, but I've never taken that step, but I want to. Oh, my friend, I'm so glad you're here. And I want to have the privilege of leading you in a prayer of commitment, a commitment of your life to call upon Jesus Christ to be your Savior and Lord. Now, before I pray with you and you accept Christ as your Savior, let, let me say this to you. It's the most awesome decision you'll ever make. It's the decision that's going to make you the father you ought to be. It's going to make you the mom you ought to be. And when you die, you'll spend forever, eternity in heaven with God above. Not in hell below, but in heaven above with God. God's done everything. He's given you His Son. And all He asks you to do is to believe and trust and walk with Him. After you pray this prayer, many of you will. What I'm going to invite you to do is I'm going to invite you to please, please, please tell somebody. Before you leave this campus today, tell me, tell one of our pastors, tell somebody, tell, tell a friend so that we can get the information and we can follow up with you, we can disciple you, we can give you help and encouragement. 
because this is a big, big deal. All right, you ready? Heads are bowed, bowed and eyes are closed. I want to pray, and I want you to just repeat after me quietly, silently in your heart, as I now have the privilege of leading you to the Lord. You ready? All right, here we go. Heads bowed, ready? Eyes closed. You repeat after me and just say these words in your heart, okay? You don't have to say them out loud. Just say them in your heart. Dear God in heaven, I thank you that you love me so very much. I believe it all. I've known for quite some time that it's all true. And so by faith, I trust you, Jesus, to be my Savior, to be my Lord, to be my Master. I ask you to forgive me of my sins, and they are many, and wash me clean with your precious blood shed for me on the cross. So now by faith, I trust you, and now by faith, I repent of my sins, and I want to be your child. I want to be your daughter. I want to be your son. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. In Jesus' name I pray, amen, amen. I want everybody to open their eyes, lift up your head, look at me for just a moment. I have no doubt there are many of you. Adults and teenagers, students, kids that prayed that prayer with me, and I really want to ask you before you leave, please let somebody know. Uh, I was just taught a class last hour, uh, a group up in our choir room, and I said, you know, when somebody comes to faith in Christ, they're a newborn baby, and they need everything, all right? We don't take babies and put them on the doorsteps and just say, okay, little Johnny, little Susie, you, you hang in there, you get your food, and you grow up, be a good little boy. No, you don't do that. We take that baby and we nurture it, we feed it, change its diaper, we love on it, we nurture, we grow it. And that's the way Great Hills wants to be known is that kind of church where we take you brand new in your faith and walk you to places of maturity, to the place where you can be baptized, you can be a part of our church, and you can start serving. How about this? Last thing. Next year, have Vacation Bible School. You know, you have to be a member of our church in order to work because we screen everybody. I mean, we make sure it's safe, ministry safe, all that stuff. We pay for all that stuff. We, we want you to know that your kids are safe. Next year, I want you to serve. I want you to help. I want you to say, I've given my life to the Lord, and I'm ready to serve. Thank you all for letting me share the five crosses. God gave me that about a month ago, and I'm looking forward to teaching our people on how to do it uh, regularly. Okay, so Brother Terry, I think you're in the house. You want to join me? And um, we're going to pray, and then we're going to do a pie in the face. It's going to be so fun.